With the 14th pick in the 2019 NBA Draft, the Boston Celtics select Romeo Langford, Grant Williams, Carson Edwards, Tremont Waters, Vincent Poirier, Javante Green, Robert Williams III, Jimmy Ogilvy, Brad Wanamaker, Daniel Tice, Ennis Cantor, Michael Fall, Marcus Smart, Gordon Hayward, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, Kemba Walker, from the University of Connecticut. And we're back with another From the Rafters episode. Sam and I have another great guest this week. We have Tim Shields, uh, co-host of the Celtics Blog Podcast. And I decided to switch up the intro a little bit this week because, as you all know, I am notoriously terrible at them. So, Tim, I have a question for you to start start us off here. Are you a waffle guy, a pancake guy, or a French toast guy out of those three? I think I got to go French toast. Really? French toast? So to give a little bit of an explanation... French toast is like one of the first dishes I actually ever learned to cook by myself when I was younger. So I have a special place for it in my heart. That being said, if I had to pick between the other two, I would probably go waffle because waffle maintains the syrup better because it's got all the little pockets. Okay. See, see, I would put French toast up there, but I'm terrible at making French toast personally. So if I'm at like cooking at home, I'd pick pancakes over waffles. But if I have someone else cooking for me, I'd go French toast. Why were you so surprised at that, Sam? What's your What's your thoughts? French French toast is bottom tier for me. Oh no, 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 no! When I go out to eat, it's it's pan pancakes. When you go out to eat at home, it's waffles. Interesting. There's no spot for French toast there for me. Interesting. I like I, I'll make the Eggo waffles. Yeah, make Eggos. four of them because I'm a machine. I eat crazy. Um, okay. And then I go out to eat. I'll get pancakes. <laughs> okay, I, can I eat like that. crazy amounts of food. Like. I went out to Buffalo Wild Wings probably a little over a year ago, right? And on Thursdays, they have buy one, get one wings. So I got two orders of medium wings, which I think is 18 apiece. I housed all 36 wings at the table. It was it was an unreal wow. experience. That's Had to go home and throw up right yes. after I finished. But <laughs> <laughs> Amazing, amazing. Uh, I just thought that'd be a nice little way to... Ease us into the uh, the Celtics and basketball talk. But speaking of, uh, as you uh, were we were talking about a little bit before, uh, the bubble is full on. Everyone's in there. We're seeing vlogs. We're seeing updates uh, on Twitter and everything of people in the vlogs. So uh, I, w- I was wondering, have you seen any of the vlogs going around? Like Matisse Tybel has one out. JaVale McGee's got one. Have you been watching any of those, Tim? I've seen a couple of the clips. I think the best are probably watching Jason Tatum be golfing yeah uh going with grant williams they managed to get gordon hayward out there even though gordon was kind of saying he is not much of a golf guy but also just seeing how the team's kind of meshing that gives me a little bit of comfort is if they're going to be stuck in the bubble at least they're enjoying each other's company and working on that team chemistry it it seems like they're having a lot of fun yeah yeah i agree jason tatum snapped his club the other day Snapped yeah. it right did, he, did he wrap it on a tree or what? Or did he actually know. intentionally he, break it? He posted a picture of it. It was uh oh no, he definitely snapped it on purpose. <laughs> he posted rage. a picture of it on Snapchat and uh it was on the ground it. in two. He said it's just that kind of day. Have you ever, have you ever played golf? I have. I, I've been to the driving range and it's a little bit different than baseball, so uh I've been playing cool. a lot. I've been cool playing time. a lot over quarantine and uh we saw a club sticking out of the ground the other day. We went to grab it, and it was just snapped in half. So someone had a rough day out Stabbed by Stabbed it on the ground. Oh, yeah. First yeah. King Arthur just. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, it's definitely rough. When you miss, like, I personally, I had, like, a really good round going the other day. I had a 41 through for, through 8, which for those of you listening is not good at all, but I'm trash, so it's really good for me. <laughs> Um, and so, and then I shot a 10 on hole nine. So I just blew my entire round to pieces and it was very upsetting. So I can, I can respect the rage that Tatum has, uh, apparently in the bubble, but, um, speaking of golf, who out of those guys, Daniel Tice was in the action too. Who would you think is the best golfer out of that bunch? Who who do you think is the best? Probably. Go ahead. Go ahead. I I feel like it's Tatum. Really? 
he seems to be the most like vocal about supporting it and being like, I'm gonna be really good at this by the time. He's like, I love this. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. So yeah, I was gonna say him too. He's got the passion, the drive to be the best. Gordon Hayward's probably pissed he's not in the room playing whatever <laughs> he usually plays League of Legends or. Uh, oh yeah. Oh, those games. I'm surprised they got him out there, though. I assumed he would be that guy. He just stayed in the room. I know a couple other guys. Semi Ojale is streaming on Twitch. Vincent Poirier was playing Call of Duty with uh, Rudy Gobert last night. Uh, it seems they're all they're all finding very different things to keep themselves entertained, which is fun. It's good. Like do whatever you need to do. I just think it's it's interesting to see what each of them choose to do for fun uh, while they're in the bubble. But uh, yeah, to get to more some serious talk here. Uh, Kemba oh, hold Walker. on, hold on, hold on. Oh, you got. I feel like out. Gordon Hayward sunburns super easy. <laughs> I feel like like when when we see like the first Celtics game, he's gonna be like super red. The golfer's tan. Keith yeah. Keith Smith was joking about it. I was like, the Florida sun is just so brutal. I think someone else had mentioned it, it was gonna be funny to see everyone have those golf tans where they're yeah. gonna have like the the arm mark like where the polo cuts off <laughs> in, their, in the tank tops. It's just gonna be hilarious. Oh my god! Because everyone's gonna have it like throughout every team because they're all like in the same place getting burned. Right. So uh, I was watching Matisse Tybel's vlog the other day though, and he was uh, he showed the camera and it was super sunny out. Then like two seconds later, he was like, "You can tell we're not on the West Coast anymore because twenty minutes ago it was bright and sunny, and now it's literally a hurricane." And so the weather down there is just I, I it must be so much to get used to for all the guys who grew up in like California or even well, like. They- they have that tropical storm coming up too. Yeah, so we've had tropical storms like hitting left and right, so that's probably part of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I've never. Uh, I'm trying to think. I don't think there's ever been like a tropical storm or hurricane up near where I live, but I can't imagine down in Florida. It must get horrible because they're right on the the edge of where all, they all hit down there. Uh, but like I was gonna say, uh, to get into more serious topics, Kemba Walker's knees have been the the hot. Hot uh, topic, I guess, of the bubble since the Celtics been down there because he missed the first couple practices and uh, there's just been a lot of speculation on his, as to if he's fully healthy or if he will be throughout the playoffs. What do you what do you think about that situation, Tim? I think it's we we talked about this on the Celtics blog podcast the other day, just going back and forth and seeing about where Kemba's knees at, expects expectations coming into you know this shortened continued season, but. I think right now the Celtics as an organization are just trying to manage it as best as possible. And I think to an extent, they're overly cautious. I think right now you brought Kemba in to be in the playoffs, to be that player for you, to help unite these guys and lead them. He doesn't have to be your number one option because Jason Tatum is emerging. Jalen Brown's emerging. Gordon Hayward is showing in good flashes that he still has that Utah talent and you're playing better as a unit than you were last year. There isn't a lot of hero ball. The ball's moving around, but he's still an integral part of that because he's a locker room leader. So you need him to be there when those games matter. So right now, I think they're just trying to make sure he's comfortable. They're trying to make sure that he's not going to relapse back to those injury concerns, that knee soreness he had before. I don't think it's one particular injury. I think it's just chronic wear and tear that just happens with athletes over time. I think maybe in the future, maybe he might have to have surgery, but that's just me speculating. I don't really know exactly what the real deal issue is there. I just think it's just general wear and tear, arthritis, that kind of thing. Just by playing professional basketball and college basketball for over 10 years, I think it's just what happens to a guy's knees. Just It's just a natural yeah. thing that happens to athletes. Yeah. I've seen pretty much positive news towards his knee everywhere I look. Looks like he wants to play. Looks like he's feeling all right. So like you say, it is probably just wear and tear. I'm sure it's not going to be anything massively serious, especially in the short term. So I'm excited to have Kemba back. Hopefully he's at full strength like he was at the beginning of the season because he was balling out when he was healthy. Yeah. I feel like he might have had injuries in Charlotte, too. Like, everyone's talking about how, oh, we signed this Max player who was super durable for his entire career, but now that he's in Boston, 
uh, Kemba's getting injured all of a sudden. What is that about? I feel like he could have had injuries similar to this in Charlotte, but he had to play through them because they had no one else on that roster. It was Michael Kidd Gilchrist going to get your buckets. No, Kemba Walker had to step up and uh, actually play his role and play through a bunch of the injuries he could have taken a break for. But now that he's on the Celtics, he has guys behind him like Tatum, Hayward, Brown, et cetera, et cetera, who can kind of pick up his slack so he can afford to take a break like this. Uh, I know it's unlike Kemba. Like we've never seen him miss many games like this. But I don't think, like you guys said, I don't think it's the end of the world. I think he'll be able to play through this. And maybe you're right, Tim. Maybe he will have to get surgery down the line. But I, I don't think it's going to be as big of a deal as everyone's making it out to be. Um, But, yeah, no, I – I feel like a part of it could also be that we have such a lack of news that any little thing everyone's kind of latching onto and trying to make a big story out of. Uh, I think with any news that comes out about any Celtics player dealing with an injury, we have an automatic knee-jerk reaction to, no pun intended, but to just come come to like the worst conclusion possible. We've kind of been trained as fans to worry about that now. So, like, everything that's happened with Kyrie Irving, everything that's happened with Al Horford, everything that happened with Gordon Hayward, and just those setbacks and, oh, another injury. So, I think we've just come to expect the worst, and I think we kind of just need to just dial it back a little bit with the concern. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I think it's everything's a little blown out of proportion because there have been so many injuries for the Celtics that everyone always tends to freak out uh, when the littlest thing appears. But uh, speaking of the Celtics, they have three upcoming scrimmages. Uh, I'm pretty sure they're going to be televised on NBC Sports Boston or the local station. So is that correct? Am I correct in saying that? I believe you're correct as well. Okay. okay. I can double so, check if you No, I, took I did it. not know okay. that. I'm actually I'm really sure. pumped now. Yeah, because I looked up the games on the website for NBC Sports Boston. But uh, the Celtics play the Thunder on the 24th, the Suns on the 26th, and the Rockets on the 28th. Uh, Tim, do you think these games are going to be kind of trying to mesh the Celtics starters together and getting back into the flow of things? Or do you think Brad's going to use them as more playing everybody a little bit just to see where everyone's at? Or do you think it's going to be like a normal game? I think it's just going to be just seeing what everybody's at. I think that's going to be the big thing that they're going to be trying to do is just kind of get everyone a little bit more used to game speed and just kind of getting in the gym and just running it. Just seeing how you guys run in transition, see how you guys are working within the system, see how you guys are passing. Are you guys, you know, is everything still fresh there? Cause I think a big aspect of it, of course, is physically seeing where players are at, but I also think there's a massive mental aspect. I also think in to some degree, not having fans present is also going to do wonders for guys who might have a little bit of stage fright, might get a little bit nervous. You you don't have fans jeering at you. So I think the scrimmages are going to be one way for players kind of get accustomed to playing in an open gym and having games matter. Granted, scrimmages are just to kind of get everyone's muscles loose, get everybody used to NBA play. But it'll be interesting to see how Stevens manages these minutes. I think it's going to be a lot of seeing guys get maybe 20, 24 minutes, some of the key guys, maybe get some bench players out there, get them warmed up. Because I think it, at the end of the day, if there's anything that happens with an injury or if someone gets COVID, you need to make sure that everyone is able and ready to step up and fill in a role if they need to in an emergency, worst case scenario situation. Yeah, I agree. I think this is important to kind of iron out the bench a little bit, even not as much so who will get playing time off the bench. But like you said, if something does happen, uh, God forbid, then it, it's important that the role guys, role players step up. What do you think about the whole scrimmage situation, Sam? I'm, I'm really pumped that the games are on local TV because I did mm-hmm. not know that before this podcast today. So uh, <laughs> we'll be watching the Celtics sooner rather than later. Um, I, I'm excited to see who's looking good, who's not looking good, what to expect from certain players going into the – new season I guess that's what we can call it I still haven't figured out what to call it every week I'm calling it something else but um I'm really pumped for that and I really want to see like Tremont Waters I think I saw that Brad Stevens said they're going to give him a lot of uh, a lot of run here at least in the preseason and scrimmage games so I, I'm really high on him I think he's going to be very fun to watch so I'm pumped yeah, that'd be good. What, what do you think about Tremont Waters, Tim, and sort of the, the dynamic with having him and Carson, I guess, on the team? We, we've talked about him a little bit on Celtics blog and just expectations in terms of 
what his role could be off the bench. We really do like Tremont Waters. I I think he's such a high-energy guy, and he always finds a way to impact the game. I think Carson Edwards is a guy who he just needs to get out of his own head. You know, we saw him ball out in Summer League, and he's just he was one of those Summer League darlings where all of a sudden the regular season started and shots weren't falling, and he just wasn't the same player that we saw in the summer. So Carson has a little bit more work to do in order to get to a place where he's going to regularly get minutes on this team. I think Tremont waters is a true point guard. He can come in, he can help run that team's offense. He can manage to play pretty well in defense, especially for his size. And he plays with energy and impact. You know, he, he got those G league accolades because he went out there when he was required to, and he balled out. So with the Carson Edwards situation, I think he also, just needs to get a little bit more comfortable. And he's one of those guys I think is going to benefit massively from not having fans there, not having anyone jeering at him, and him just being able to get out there and get his shots up. You know, it, it's difficult for an undersized guard to make it in the league. That's why guys like Isaiah Thomas are just so special, guys like Muggsy Bogues, Nate Robinson. But for Carson, I think he really just needs to work on his overall point guard skills because right now, based on his height, Similar to Tremont Waters, they're both undersized, but Tremont has those natural point guard skills. I don't really see that as much from Carson Edwards. He's basically an undersized combo guard, and if his shots aren't falling, then he's he's basically net negative when he's on the floor if he's not hitting his shots. The general consensus with Edwards, at least like from what I've heard, is like a lot of people think he's not performing because he's not used to having to take a smaller role and not being the main focus of the offense where he's taking all the shots. That's why he probably had a solid summer league and a good preseason because he was getting more opportunities. Now he's going to try and fit in with guys like Kemba or Tatum that are the main scorers, and he doesn't really know how to handle it. That's interesting. I hadn't heard, I hadn't even thought about that angle, but that's a really good point. You know, he was that main guy when he was in college, and, you know, of course everyone knows how great of a tournament he had and just unbelievable shooting beyond the arc, but – it's a lot harder to do that at the NBA level. Yeah, he's just kind of expected to stand there, and, you know, when he gets past, he's got the green light, but he's not taking all these shots, so he's probably struggling to find a rhythm. I don't know. I hope I hope he does get the opportunities because what we've seen is promising, but it's not. it hasn't translated yet. Tremont Waters has been the superior prospect, if, if you will, in my eyes, just because he's able to do so many more things, like you said when Carson's really a negative when he's not got the ball in his hands. Yeah. Uh, building off of what Sam was saying, I've, I think we've talked about this angle uh, on the podcast before, but I feel like as much as I love Carson on the Celtics, if what Sam's saying could possibly be true, that he's not getting uh, the chance to be the main ball handler and get a hold of the shots that he uh, needs to get up to build a rhythm. If he was on a team like the Pistons or the Knicks, who are all always looking for a point guard, I feel like he'd have that opportunity because obviously the Pistons aren't going to compete for a championship anytime soon, and the Knicks are the Knicks. So I think if he could go to one of those teams where he was allowed to have the ball more, it'd help. That being said, I do think if he can improve his ability to kind of stand there and hit the shots he's uh, been tasked to hit while he's on the Celtics, he'd be a great bench scorer off the bench, which everyone thought he'd be like the sixth man coming into the year. Uh, me included, I thought he was going to be a great piece for the Celtics. Uh, give us some shooting, which we apparently desperately need. Um, I've always seen... Uh, here's another question, actually, we can talk about for a second, Tim. Uh, do you see the missing piece, or if there is a missing piece on the Celtics bench, being uh, a better big, like replacing Tice and or Cantor with like an improved big man or center like everyone's been talking about? Or do you think the need is something else or even just more shooting, more consistent scoring off the bench there? I think they need the guys that they've got in-house to develop a little bit more. I don't think... I don't think the answer would be replacing Daniel Tice. Daniel Tice has been an integral part of their defense, and especially on their offense, he's just been so big with getting guys open, setting like these perfect screens to just like they're borderline like illegal screens because he just he sets them in just the right way and he immediately gets cut to the basket. I mean, he's fit his role so perfectly. And as much as Anis Cantor might be a liability on defense, he's been a very good locker room guy. It seems like people really enjoy his company and like playing with him. And he's also just a rebounding machine. 
You know, you look at the Celtics statistically where they were at rebounding wise, they're a much better rebounding team. And granted, he might be a liability on defense, but because he's such an elite rebounder, Kaner has made a positive impact on this team. It's actually one of the better rebounders we've had for probably the last like 10 years. Um, you really, it, it is very underrated how good of a rebounder Kaner is. That being said, he could very well leave this summer if he gets a good option. I think he's going to get more than five mil in the market depending on where the cap is and also depending on how the playoff performance is for the Celtics overall. But I, I could see him getting some serious payday if there's a team that is willing to throw money at him. I just, the fact that we got him at the money he's at, you know, he's making a very good impact on this team. As for what I think the Celtics are missing, I think they could use some scoring, but I don't think it's going to be, I don't think they need like another wing. I think they eventually need to try and decide if they're going to draft or try and scoop someone to be, a true backup point guard. You know, Marcus Smart is that kind of specialist who I think is a very good player. But one, you have to worry about the contract situation. If he's going to be a guy that you maybe move on from because of money, where you have to give Tatum an extension. You also have to worry about Gordon. So there's a lot of money aspects they have to worry about there. But I think finding a true point guard to play behind Kemba and eventually succeed him and be part of that young core uh, with Jalen and Jason I think that's important, but another aspect they could do is just go out and get a big who can run the floor, similar to Rob Williams, but maybe someone who's been a little bit more consistent with their health. Uh, it, it might involve them trading up in the draft. We've talked about this before on the podcast. I ultimately think there will be a trade this summer. I don't think it's going to be a trade of epic proportions. I don't think it's going to be trading for a guy like Miles Turner or something like that, but I think it'll be a situation where they have to package all these draft picks that they've got to move up and get a guy who's going to be that missing piece. I don't know if it's going to be like a guard or something like that, but if, if I were the Celtics, I'd be looking for a big who can help you score. Sam, what do you, what do you think about the whole situation on if the Celtics are missing anything or what do they need? Do you have any thoughts on that? I mean, I, I'm really not a big trade person, at least during the season. I'm not, um, I think they're pretty solid. The main concern is bench scoring, but like the solution to that for me is just leave Kemba or Jason Tatum on the floor, you know, at least one of them at all times. That way you always have a first scoring option. And there's ways to work around not having bench scoring. And this is a team yeah. that isn't really built to have bench scoring because you have four scorers that start. So, I mean, there's really – and then people complain about a big man – how many games can you really point towards this season that they lost because they didn't have a good big man? I think mm-hmm. Tice has been extremely great for what we thought we were going to get from him all season, and he's exceeded expectations by far. So I'm very happy with Tice. Yeah, I've seen no problems with Tice and or Cantor this season. Uh, fun fact, I feel like I brought this up on the past three podcasts, but Tim, you talked about Cantor. Uh, Celtics, I'm pretty sure, have not lost a game this season where Ennis Cantor puts up a double-double, so... Uh, the rebounding really is key this season for us or for the Celtics. But uh, uh, you mentioned the draft. I don't pay attention too much to college prospects. I usually wait for March Madness, but we didn't get to see that this year. So I'm a little in in the dark. But do you think uh, trading up for a guy like I know James Wiseman's projected to go top five, and then there's like Onyeka Okongwu who is projected to go top ten, top fifteen. Do you think that's the kind of trade the Celtics would have to make if they wanted to get a big man like that far up in the draft? Do you think they could get a top ten pick with their picks, or do you think it'd be more like a a mid first round type big man who they try to target? So I mean, we we talked a little bit about it specifically during. COVID, like the start of COVID and the fact that, you know, you don't have college basketball, as you said, no March Madness is actually really bad for a lot of the players in the NCAA because Mm -hmm. that's where a lot of players end up making an impact and getting their name out there in order to try and raise their draft stock. A guy like James Wiseman, while a great prospect going into college, we really don't have a lot of college tape on because eventually at one point he became ineligible after only a few games. And now you're just going off of his high school mixtape, and those few games that we saw at the college level. So he's a guy that I could see actually falling a little bit, and he is someone that I've talked about a little bit too. I do want to see where he could potentially fill in. He could be like an elite defender. It's just a matter of whether or not he has that skill set to translate to the NBA. And a lot of that also is work ethic. I wish there was a little bit more tape on him, but in regards to Onyeko and Kongwu, a lot of people are 
really getting ramped up on him. I think he's going to end up jumping into the top five. It seems to be that way. But overall, with this upcoming draft, it seems to me, at least from the conversations that I've had on the podcast and just talking to other sources and just kind of reading the room, it's not a draft that everyone's getting really amped up about. It's it's a bigger draft. You've got a lot of guys where you're not seeing a lot of star talent right off the bat. So it might be the draft to move up because there's not going to be a guy in the top 10 that you need to absolutely 100% need on your team. It's a very level draft. There's not a ton of star talent that's just popping out to guys. So that being said, it will be a little bit easier for the Celtics to move on from, I think they're going to end up having, I mean, we have to figure out what happens with Memphis, granted, because if the Grizzlies end up dropping in, they become a lottery pick if they fall out of the playoff race. But you're looking at three first-round picks. So there's just no space in the roster. Financially, you also have to consider where you're going to be at. You have to worry about Gordon Hayward. You have to worry about that Jason Tatum extension. So there's a lot of factors that are going to go into that. But I could definitely see either the Celtics making a trade to move up and get a guy like a Kongwu or Wiseman or if there's another big or maybe even a guy like Kira Lewis. Adam uh, Adam Taylor from Celtics blog was big on Kira Lewis, and we talked about it on our last podcast about finding an heir for Kemba. But maybe it's a matter of them kicking the can down the road and trading their first for future first. There's so many different possibilities. I don't want to speak on it too much, but it is exciting getting into the offseason. It's always one of my favorite times when it comes to the NBA. Yeah, I said I don't know much about this draft, but looking at the uh, – I just Googled like a mock draft. I do recognize these names, and it is a really heavy point guard draft, like you said, finding an air for Kemba. So the guys like – obviously, LaMelo is going to go uh, top five in everybody's eyes, but there's guys like Halliburton, Cole Anthony – uh, I'm just looking through this Theo Maladin, RJ Hampton, who all have the potential to fall because you never know what point guards are going to get uh, picked in the top five and which ones could potentially fall to somewhere where the Celtics could grab them. But uh, kind of coming full circle here, uh, talking more about this season, uh, we're talking about all this, the depth issues with the Celtics potentially and what they need to fix. But this season, this is the roster and this is what we have. Uh, who do you see stepping up come playoff time and even in the eight, I guess, uh, pre-playoff games? I, I'm always confused as to what to call them, like the regular season still, I guess, technically. But, uh, Tim, who do you see stepping up in these uh, next games we see for the playoffs, uh, for the Celtics, I mean, and going into the playoffs from the bench? Who do you see stepping up? I would probably say Grant Williams. I think Grant Williams is going to have a really, really big role with this team. You know, you saw him get some major minutes there, trying to run him as a small ball five at some points, especially later in games. And you see a lot of the guys coming in, and apparently the Celtics organization ended up giving everybody a bunch of workout equipment, and I think they gave a bunch of people Pelotons. So all these guys are coming in after going through a few months of quarantine, no basketball, and a lot of them are coming in in great shape, and they showed Grant Williams. And I don't know if you saw pictures of him, but – he just looks so much thinner. His chest is more defined. He's cut. He's looking slim. And for him especially, because he's an undersized guy, the better shape he is, the more muscle he's got on, the better it's going to be for him because he's going to be able to to defend on smaller guys. He's going to be able to hold his own. And mainly for him, I think he, this looks like he's probably in the best shape of his career so far you know I, of course he's a rookie but I'm just comparing it to college ball he looks he looks slim he looks athletic and, and that's going to be big for a guy like him to be able to run the floor to be able to do all the things that he needs to do as an important integral part of that bench yeah I love Grant Williams I saw the pictures you're talking about and I think uh, the the muscle he's building and like you said he's cutting a lot of weight and it, he looks like amazing like you said he ready to make an impact what do you what do you think sam about these guys i think grant's a really good pick but i when you first asked i was thinking semi uh we've talked about semi quite a bit in recent weeks um he's had plenty of playoff experience i think if he can make his threes he can be a good three and d bench guy for the celtics during a playoff run especially if gordon hayward needs to go away or when he inevitably does need to go away for the birth of his fourth child third child um, so I think Semi has a lot of potential to step up here and make an impact. I hope he can. I think he can. The defense he brings is special. And I think that, like I said, if he shoots well, he's going to make an impact. 
That's just a big if. But we did see him start to put it together towards the end of the regular season, and um, hopefully it carries over a little bit. His three-point shooting in particular got a lot better. Uh, right. But this is kind of like a last-ditch effort for him. You know, I think the Celtics have an option this summer for him. So he has to be thinking about that in the back of his mind. He could be looking at free agency. And for a guy like Semi, you know, he has that specialist role where he's come off the bench. You know, they've utilized him against guys like, you know, Antetokounmpo is probably like the very big one you think of. But if he's going to be that defensive specialist and be that 3 and D guy coming off the bench, he has to be able to shoot efficiently. So if he can try and build off of the success he started to get, that little bit of momentum he had, if he can just keep shooting threes on the wing and just be a little bit better with the ball, I think he just needs to stop being a, a little bit of a deer in the headlights when it comes down to it. When he gets the ball sometimes, he just needs to keep the ball moving if he doesn't feel comfortable with it. But he, he's got to be capable of scoring a little bit more and just being a little bit more efficient. Taking care of that basketball is like a big thing. If you're a bench guy, it's not even just about you know coming in and lighting up the scoreboard. It's it's about maintaining the status quo. You guys are ahead. Okay, just keep playing smart basketball, take care of the ball, defend your guy, hit your shots. You don't have to do anything out of the norm. Just just do the bare minimum to keep us level until the starters get enough rest to come back in. And for Semi, you know, this is going to be one of his last opportunities, I think, here in Boston. I agree with that. I, I think, well, he's been here for, this is his third season now, so time might be running out on him a bit, especially like. He's he is very inconsistent. There are times where he is reliable from three, and then a lot of times where you feel like it's a turnover every time he takes a shot. So, I personally I like Semi. I I know that he works hard, so I think there's still potential if he's a hard worker. But it is starting to run out of time for sure. Yeah, I got in a little bit of a I wouldn't say argument, but a conversation on Twitter about uh, Semi Ojale and where he'll be and where he'll stand with the Celtics at the end of the season, but. I want to get your guys' uh, thoughts on this. I don't know if we've talked about it here before, Sam, but uh, who do you think is going to remain on the roster next season? Like you said, Tim, uh, Semi Ojale has an option this season. Celtics can choose to pick it up or not. I know Brad Wanamaker is a question mark. Javante Green uh, had a one-year deal. So uh, we'll start with you, Tim, then Sam, you can chime in after. Who do you think is going to be on the team next year, and who do you think the Celtics and Danny Andrew are going to be like, okay, we can do without you. We can probably uh, bring in a guy to uh, sort of replace your role. I think Wanamaker is for sure gone. I don't think it's a matter of him being happy here or anything like that, but I, I think he's just going to want to get paid. You know, I think he's going to get more money overseas now, especially with the way he's played with the Celtics. I don't know if another NBA team would scoop him up. There's not a lot of teams that are going to have salary cap. Um, there are a few, and as I said before, there's still some cap applications we really don't know about with COVID, but him going overseas, he's going to be able to get a really good paycheck there, similar to what happened with Shane Larkin. Totally missed that guy. He was awesome on the Celtics. Yeah, um, for sure. Yeah, and, and getting back with the other guys, too. You know, Shemi, I think, is he's on the bubble. And I think to an extent, Javante Green, I think he's a guy that is a little bit difficult to peg down because he is a very athletic guy. He's a very high-energy guy, fun to watch, but he also – the main reason why he wasn't in the NBA before is he's not a very capable three-point shooter. I think he's a very likable guy in the locker room. It seems a lot of people like playing with him, high energy, as I said. So coming off the bench, giving those explosive dunks, you know, towards the end of games where they get him in there for garbage time. But if he can't hit the three-point shot, then it's going to be really difficult to justify keeping him around. It's the same thing with Shemi. At least with Shemi, he's a specialist defender. He's a guy that you can put out there to try and mitigate, you know, a guy like Giannis or a guy like LeBron or, you know, a big forward like Pascal Siakam. If you're if you're trying to get someone out there to just try and stop a little bit of the bleeding on the defensive end, he's the guy you put out there. But with Javante Green, he's a guy who's got a non-guaranteed deal, so he could be a casualty at the end of the day. You're now listening to the code word of the week. code word this week is seltzer so if you hear this dm me or jack and you'll get entered in the contest be sure to dm us the code word on twitter at bannertown jack or at parquet press for a chance to be entered in this week's giveaway and now back to from the raptors
Yeah, I, I tend to agree with uh, most of those thoughts. I, I really like Semi. Maybe that's just a little bit of a homer standpoint, but I think he's great, and I would love to see him on the team next year. But uh, I think Javante and Brad Wanamaker are definitely 50-50, and Brad Wanamaker is even less so because of guys like Tremont Waters and Carson Edwards who need room to grow. Uh, what do you What do you think, Sam, about the whole situation? Yeah, I, your last point there with the two young guards, Waters and uh, Edwards, it's really like they're kind of waiting to get into the backup role, both of them. They're probably competing with each other for it. Brad Wanamaker, maybe one more year of him, maybe, maybe somebody else. But I feel like Tremont Waters is going to be ready to step into that role sooner rather than later. I think he's got a good IQ. And like we talked about earlier, he does a lot of things to help the team be better. So I think he can be an impact player maybe even next year. Yeah, I think Tremont Waters is great, great player. Uh, transitioning into another topic, I think here, uh, a little bit less Celtics related or kind of relating, depends on the way you look at it. But Ben Simmons has been getting some run at the four in Sixers practices, and they're running Shake Milton at the one. So it's a lineup of Milton, Richardson, Harris, Simmons, and Embiid, which I personally think is going to be good for the Sixers as much as I hate to admit it. I think that's what they need to get more shooting on the floor. Uh, how does that make you feel about a potential matchup in the first round with Philly, Tim? Do you think that scares you a little bit more, or do you think the Celtics should still be able to handle the Sixers if they got matched up with them at any point? I think Philly is the team that I've worried about for a little while. Um, when I've generally looked at the situation with the 76ers, they still lack shooting. I think putting Shake Milton out there helps a little bit, but at the same time, it really depends what they're doing defensively as well, because the main benefit of having Ben Simmons at the one is that he's bigger than most of the guards he's going to go against. Cause I, I don't think you can name another point guard in the NBA. That's what six, eight, six, nine, but he also is not that much of a shooting threat. His real money-making is just being an excellent passer and moving the ball around and being athletic in transition. So a- Adam had some thoughts on this and he was saying, you know, that, he's going to be much more dangerous at the four. I tend to agree with that, but it also depends on other guys because at the end of the day, really what, what the money is going to be for them is how they defend because Simmons having the defensive skill set that he has in the defensive versatility, he can guard a lot of different positions. And if he's going against a guy like Kemba Walker, he's going to have an immediate size advantage. So if they're still having him defend point guards, but he's playing at the four primarily, then yeah, that's going to be a problem but it also creates a mismatch at another position. So it just depends on how they're handling the offensive aspect with their lack of shooting. Because if they can give Shake Milton some shots, if they can get him shooting threes, if they can get a little bit more spacing, if they get Tobias Harris going, you know, they've got a lot of money tied up with guys that really don't fit together. And I think personally, from a standpoint with Simmons, I think Simmons is a really great player, but until he learns to really shoot like genuinely shoot that team is going to be hampered down because he's one of their best players he's you know if you can argue on any given day about whether him or Embiid is the face of the franchise for the 76ers going forward but he needs to learn how to shoot in order for them to become a legitimate consistent threat and to constantly be in that picture in order to try and win a title Sam, what do you think of the whole Ben Simmons at the four, or just the Sixers in general this season? I think it does make him a bit more versatile, but like Tim said, there's still not a lot of shooting there. It doesn't change that Simmons can't shoot. It just means, I mean, I guess he won't be able to bully point guards as much, but then again, I mean, you can always just change defensive matchups. Um, I think I, I don't think the Celtics are going to end up playing them in the first round. I feel like Indiana's going to drop to that sixth seed, if, especially if Oladipo doesn't play. We'll see. I'm not positive about that, obviously, but I I would hope that the Celtics don't have to play them just because it's probably the toughest matchup out of all the teams just because, you know, they do have experience in the playoffs a little bit. They've won rounds before. They almost made the conference finals last year. There's definitely a little bit of a threat, but I don't know. I still think Simmons being on the floor makes it a lot easier to game plan against them because he can't shoot, mm-hmm. but hiding him at the four does make it a little easier because he can just play in the post. Yeah, I think I would tend to agree a little bit with what Tim said about how valuable 
uh, Simmons' size advantage against point guards is and his ability to dish the ball. I think he's one of the best passers in the NBA. I think that losing his defense on the perimeter will be pretty big because that means guys like like Kemba, obviously, even Kyle Lowry, who I know you're not a huge fan of, Sam, but uh, Kyle Lowry (laughs) can get their, their shots off a lot easier without Ben Simmons guarding them. Um, but something I would I wanted to point out that um, I personally think this is a, a viewpoint I've always had. I really like Ben Simmons. I think if you put Ben Simmons in a similar situation that Giannis is in right now, where he's got shooters everywhere around him and he doesn't have to shoot the ball as much, then Simmons would be an MVP candidate. It personally, that's just my opinion though. I think I don't know ben if he'd be Simmons, an MVP, but he would be a lot more effective for sure. Yeah. Okay. Be like LeBron. LeBron's teams, when he when they're good teams, they always have shooters all around him because mm-hmm. he drives, gets all the attention, somebody's open. That's yeah. kind of like what he was marketed as, though, as a prospect. You know, they were kind of marketing him as the the next LeBron, like the best draft prospect since LeBron James, just yeah. due to the fact that he is that athletic point forward. And I agree. You know, if they just surround Embiid and Simmons with shooters, that team would just be so much better. But they went out and they got Al Horford. And they signed him. I think the real deals with the signing of Al Horford was to take him away from the Celtics in order to take away defensive option. But at the same time, they went out and they they traded away Jimmy Butler, who was their best scorer. Mm -hmm. And then they got, you know, Josh Richardson, who's been pretty good, but he also had some health concerns. And then. You know, you go ahead and you have Tobias Harris, and you're you you've got like a hundred million per year tied up with a couple of guys who aren't doing great in your organization or your system. So yeah. they have to figure out that scoring question. If they can get some shooters on that team, they'll be so much better. But you have to start thinking about how you're going to build around the guys you claim to be your franchise. Yeah, I agree. I think they should have used the money they used to extend Tobias Harris. I think they should have given him less. I don't know if he would have taken less, but I I don't think he deserved as much as he got. And I think they should have definitely used the money they signed to uh, bring in Al Horford to at least bring back J.J. Redick because he was so good for them. Guys like – I know they had Marco Bellinelli at one point. Just just these little shooters, like you said, to put around Simmons and Embiid would have just helped the team so much more than – I don't know if it was like a mind game getting Al Horford away from the Celtics. Like, I don't know what it was about, but, you know, it, it ended up bad for Philly. So that's all I care about. I'm just glad the Celtics uh, found a, I wouldn't say replacement in Daniel Tice, but at least a guy that can play solid defense still uh, with he Daniel He fills the Tice. void for sure. Exactly, yeah. He does a lot of things that Al does. He can stretch the floor. He has good vision. He plays good defense. I mean, he's not he's not a massive drop-off as much as everyone thought it was going to be when Al left, which obviously is massive. Yeah, I'd agree. Uh, speaking of centers, uh, I wanted to bring up this too uh, to ask you, Tim. Uh, Robert Williams, obviously coming off an injury, apparently in the best shape of his life. Uh, I see a lot of that, uh, those kind of rumors going around with the bubble, especially with guys like Grant Williams, like you said before. Uh, and apparently Robert Williams is in that category. So do you think, how do you see him fitting in with the center rotation? Obviously Cantor was getting less minutes towards the end of the season, but he was amazing in the first half, and then Daniel Tice has been the most consistent big man the Celtics have had on the roster. So how do you see Brad Stevens kind of integrating Robert Williams into the rotation for the remainder of the season? I am so hopeful for Rob Williams. I have been waiting so, so long to get a healthy (laughs) Rob Williams in this lineup. He's... He's one of the most fun Celtics to watch, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Just seeing him play defense and some of the some of the ways he's been able to defend, like Kikaios, like it, the defense against Anthony Davis, where he got all those blocks. I mean, he's just he is an unreal athlete, and if he can just get a little bit faster on picking up things defensively like mentally and just being like okay i have to get here in order to set up for this and just get just putting himself in the right spot if he's gotten there and now he's fully healthy and he's been spending all these months getting healthy and looking at the defensive schemes and looking at tape and film who boy uh he could be a lot of fun to watch he's a guy that i just he just adds a completely different element to this team that they don't have right now i think with Daniel Tice, while he's a great player and he does a lot for the Celtics and truly came out and stole the position that no one expected him to really go in and just take that spot the way he did. Rob Williams is a completely different kind of big. You know, he's able to run the floor. He's super athletic. He's able to get up and get those lobs. He's a, a serious blocking threat. 
So a massive deterrent. And that just adds a completely different element than what you have. You know, Kaner is not a blocking machine. He's not a defensive specialist. He gets boards, but he, he's not anywhere near as fast as Rob Williams, not anywhere near as athletic. So having Rob Williams there, and on top of Grant Williams also getting in shape too, you're going to see a little bit different, more athletic dynamic from the Celtics. And if they are all on the same page within Brad Stevens' system, it's going to be some really fun basketball to watch. I think they're going to be really defensive-minded. And if they can just run it in transition, it's going to be a whole different ballgame from what we've seen so far. Yeah, one one thing about Robert Williams is what you mentioned. He's like a different kind of player to or exciting player to watch. I feel like he's got potential to like shoot into stardom like Capella did or even Whiteside because of his style of play. If he's able to get those mental things down, like you said, like he's had a couple months in quarantine to be watching tape and getting healthy again, there is potential that he does shoot right up into like being a real impact player really fast because of his athleticism. I'm super pumped to see that too. That's another thing we can look for in the scrimmage games and the regular season games that are coming up. Yeah, I think Rob is great. I think, like what you said, Tim, having him block Anthony Davis or just this, this his innate ability to jump like thirty feet off the ground is ridiculous. Like, <laughs> I don't get it. Like, I, I can't can't even fathom. I can't even dunk. I'm six feet tall and I can't dunk. And this guy's jumping. Nothing wrong with that. Forty inches in the air. Yeah, I know. Can, can you dunk, Sam? I don't think I've ever asked you this. Can I you can. Dunk? I can. T- I can grab the rim. Okay. I just can't hold on to the ball. Uh, unfortunately, so I am unfortunately. almost there. I can I can do some mean layups with my hand hitting the glass. <laughs> <laughs> oh, some really aggressive layups there. Uh, Sam, yeah. you want to? Really you got um. Uh, you ask all of our guests a couple questions. You want to? You want to bring that up? Yeah. So Tim, every every week when we have guests on towards the end of the show, I always kind of have a lineup of questions I ask about the Celtics. My favorite question to ask is, do you have a favorite piece of Celtics merch that you have? Autograph, jersey, whatever. Do you have a favorite? Huh. Well, so I did end up getting a bag of merch from my uncle, and I put a video. It's up on like my Twitter somewhere. Um, I have seen that on your Twitter, yeah. Yeah, so it's it's a bag from Larry Bird Night, and it's got a bunch of different merch from like the retirement game they had oh, at God. the Garden for Larry Bird. So that one is one of my favorite pieces, and I got that recently. Outside of that. Uh, I've got a bunch of ticket stubs. I generally hold on to ticket stubs from games. So I have a couple different ticket stubs. One of my favorite is one from the Celtics versus Knicks game. And it's got Isaiah Thomas on it. So that's one of my favorites. Besides that, I have I have like a Celtics flag that I won at like some basketball shooting game at Canopy Lake Park. And that's pretty much it for like my favorite merch. I don't think I have any... I don't think I have any signed merch or anything like that, but that's what I've got for just my general favorite Celtics gear. The um, the Larry Bird thing is actually really cool. That's one of the cooler ones I've heard. Um, I got I was lucky enough to go to the Paul Pierce game, similar to oh, that one, man. where he uh, the Clippers when he was actually playing, not when he was uh, got his jersey retired. <laughs> but I have like the headband and the poster from that game, and it's one of the coolest things that I have. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. Do you have a favorite memory or game that you've been to besides watching them when Benner 18? <laughs> so, I mean 17. I'm so stupid. <laughs> Benner 17. <laughs> well, I hope they win Benner 18, but That's um, right. In terms of my favorite games, there's I've got a couple I can list off the top of my head. Uh I was at the double overtime game versus the Warriors. Back when Isaiah Thomas was with the Celtics, we didn't end up winning, but oh, I, I, had these that no- game. I had these nosebleed seats in the balcony, and it was like 120 bucks a pop. So I dropped like 240 bucks on not great seats just because it was the Warriors, you know, and I wanted right. to see the Celtics beat them. At that point, the Warriors had that win streak, and the night after, they the Warriors had played a back-to-back, so they played the Celtics first, and then they lost to the Bucks the day after. So that was one of my favorite games to go to. Um, I was there for the Bucks series. I was there for game two. And then I had bought tickets for game seven ahead of time through a friend um, who works for the Celtics. Like their ticketing has, I think his sister works for this, for the uh, ticketing service there. So they get tickets and they're able to go ahead and sell them. 
um, or give them to family friends or whatever. And he was like, Hey, well, did you want tickets for game seven? I'm like, yeah, sure. Like, I don't think it's going to go seven games, but you know, and eventually the, the series kept going on, going on, going on. I was like, Oh my God, I'm going to get tickets to game seven, aren't I? <laughs> and so that game was cool. Cause there was the whole, who is Bledsoe? Drew Bledsoe was there at the game too. I went with my dad. So like, that was just like a really cool experience. And then I think the only other game that I think comes close is my, my dad's friend has tickets uh, that are really, really close to the court. They're probably like seventh row in the loge. And we were right behind the Celtics bench. And this was when the big three were still around. And I think they were doing some kind of treatment. So you, have you ever heard of Tiger Bomb? It's like a, it's like a rug haven't. you can put on. So it's, it, it's, I forget the exact chemical that's in it, but it has a very distinct cell, smell. It's like a, kind of like a, like a icy hot. So like they put it on to like warm up the joints or whatever. And we were that close that I was like, I like looked at my dad. I'm like, can you smell that? And we could like smell the icy hot they were putting on Paul Pierce's knees to get him warmed up before the game. <laughs> and we were like that close. So it was like, that's just like a cool experience I had. I think that was against the, I want to say it was against New Orleans. That's, that's, that's cool. probably it for my favorite memories for at least games that I went to. Do you have a favorite non-game that you went to? <sighs> I really asking the tough questions. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think I think one of my favorite games was it was the Terry Rozier uh, steal breakaway towards the end of the game against the Pacers, where he got that dunk oh, right yeah. before time expired. Awesome. I just thought that was one of the most electric finishes to a game. That was a cool one, and then I remember specifically where I was when I watched. The Celtics beat the Warriors at home mm-hmm. to break their oh, streak. Of yeah, yeah, I remember it was it was a late game, so I was up late and um I, I was staying at my girlfriend's dorm at that time. And yeah, we were just staying up watching the game and I was freaking out and she's like, Great, let's go to bed now. <laughs> <laughs> it was a pretty late game, but that was a cool one. Oh, I remember that one because I was in I think was that twenty seventeen when that happened? Or twenty seventeen, eighteen season, right? That was that was 2016. 2016, oh, okay. 17. Yeah, I'm, I'm mixing before, up games. Yeah, no, it was the uh, it was when we still had Isaiah Thomas, Avery Bradley. That was before they made the run to the Eastern yes. Conference Finals and lost to the Cavs. I'm mixing up Warriors games. Yes, the game where they broke the streak. I remember I was at work and my boss yelled at me like three times, like "Get your eyes off the TV. You need to be doing your job." And I just like I I tuned <laughs> him out completely. I I was just not paying attention to anything I was doing. It was it, it was worth it though. It was worth the talking to because Celtics got the dub, but. Absolutely. I, I was thinking of the uh, the Warriors game the Celtics played in the seventeen eighteen season, where uh, I forget who was hurt. I think, oh God, I can't I can't remember the specifics, but I remember it was the Warriors, and it was a big game because obviously the Warriors were amazing. And I was in my freshman dorm building, and we didn't have TV uh, a cable in our room, so we went to like a community room or whatever, a common room, and the cable cut out. And so I had to text some, like, one of my upperclassmen friends. I was like, can we please just come to your dorm? Because they had cable. And so, like, three, me and three of my buddies just, like, booked it over there to watch the end of the game in, like, the rain and everything. It was just it, – it, it was a classic experience. But the Celtics won again. So, you know, I can't complain. I can't complain. My favorite non, like, being there memory is definitely the Rockets game where Marcus took the charges at the end. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the two charges. Yeah, because at the one. time – I was in London with my mom. My mom was a flight attendant, so we get to, like, travel a good amount if we want. And so we were there, and it was, like, 4 in the morning when all that happened. So, like, I couldn't even, like, get super hyped or anything like I normally would because, like, there were people sleeping in, like, the flat we were staying in. So I didn't want to wake anybody up. But I was sitting there watching on my iPad, like, like shaking, like, smiling to myself. It was unreal. That sounds amazing. I think you've told that story before, and it just every time I think it's hilarious. My favorite story. I can picture you <laughs> sitting there with your iPad, like trying desperately not to wake up these random English people. Like, oh no, no. I think you told this to Adam too, and he was laughing because yeah, he it's probably when I brought it up. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> uh, I know something else you asked, Tim. Do you have any Celtics jerseys or a favorite Celtics jersey? I guess. So, I had a Paul Pierce jersey when I was a kid. And then I ended up getting one right as he got traded. And mm. then outside of that, I have an Isaiah Thomas jersey. doesn't fit me as well as it used to. Um, 
but I like that jersey a lot. And then I still have my Kyrie Irving jersey. And it was uh, that alternate color where it was like it's the white uh, with the yellow trim around the green lettering. So I have that jersey as well. Outside of that, I do have a Kemba Walker jersey. Um, those are probably my favorite Celtics jerseys. Other than that, you know, I have like a knockoff Team USA Larry Bird jersey. I don't know if I count that as Celtics, but yeah, I guess you could. Uh, and then I have a I have a Michael Jordan jersey. It was like one of the alternates where it's got Chicago and cursive on the front. So Ooh, I like that jersey too. Yeah. So. See, I collect jerseys, but I collect like the fake jerseys that you get from overseas because I'm broke, college kid. And oh, I've I done can't. that too. Oh yeah, <laughs> That's a good chunk of my collection is that. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. It's just it's just great value because they look real enough, and they're like what twenty bucks, like easy, easy choice for me. Uh, uh, I was gonna ask you too. Do you play any two K, Tim? Are you a 2K, 2, NBA 2K guy? Yeah, I actually, so I ended up getting, I think it's the the Legends Edition, but I got it really late. So I got it right after the season got put on hold. And I was like, well, I need basketball in my life. So <laughs> and two, it was it was on sale through like PlayStation Plus, And I was like, yeah, I could get like the hundred, I could get like the hundred or hundred twenty dollar version for like 20, 30 bucks or something like that. And it came with Ooh. all that VC and stuff. So I was like, oh, yeah. Well, sure. Yeah, I'm going to do this. So uh, <laughs> I've been hooked on it ever since. So I'm still playing that, trying to Evo the free Kobe they gave out. And then I've got a couple other cards I'm trying to Evo because they, they ended mm-hmm. up adding more Evos down the road. So I have like a Gerald Green card that I can get to a Galaxy Opal. Uh, oh, I got a Ben Wallace glitched I can get to Galaxy Opal. So Ooh. I'm kind of just grinding it out. I'm trying to decide if I want to get the new 2K or not. Mm-hmm. Kind of weighing my options there. Yeah. <laughs> Do you play? Um, do you play my career at all? Park, rec. I used to. I used to do my career a lot on the older ones, like especially back, like going back to like two K thirteen and fourteen. I did a lot of them my career, but then I started getting into my team probably around two K sixteen, two K seventeen, and since that point, I've just preferred to do that because I I used to play FIFA a lot. And so I, I love FIFA. Like I would, I would do you know my ultimate team through that. So I used to, I used to do that like religiously. So I would constantly mm-hmm. be playing on that. Uh, but since I tend to lean more towards watching basketball anyway, I prefer to just stick with two K and do my team that way. So I kind of got introduced to that, and then as soon as I did, I, I I stopped playing my career. But maybe for the next one, I'll I'll get around to it. I, I'm debating still if I want to do it because I. Like, do I really want to like up to a PS5? Do I want to get the new Xbox? Yeah, it just is like opening up a massive financial wormhole of just frivolous spending. And I'm like, eh, I don't know. Like, we're in the middle of a pandemic right now. This might <laughs> not be a good idea to like tie up a couple hundred dollars. But this is the man. best time for a new system because you're not doing anything. <laughs> okay, fair point. You got me there. Oh man. Oh, man. The and companies plus, are probably like licking their lips with the pandemic. They probably oh, want it to go forever. Everyone's going to be buying all the new systems and everything. Ooh, yeah, it, it's rough. Plus, you're not even going to get the updated rosters with the next 2K because the season's on hold. So it's just a big. Because that's what my team does carry buy. over, though. If you buy the new system, oh, really? you play my team on the current gen, and you buy, say you have an Xbox, you buy the new Xbox, you get all your stuff carried over to the new xbox that's interesting that's the, the one thing that i'm actually thinking about too is they're having that carryover i don't know if it's gonna go all the way back to like 2k 20 i wish they did this for like the mt or the vc that you bought on that console carried over because what you would end up seeing is like towards the end of it like people would just be selling stuff to get as much mt as possible to carry over i right. wish more sports games did that like granted, it's like okay, well, if anyone has like all of this, you know, VC and all this MT built up over the years, then it's like, okay, well, it's like almost like inherited wealth. Like you've got like I've been playing 2K for five years, so I've got like five billion MT to spend on whatever I want. But I, I think they should try and encourage that because I think the one thing that hurts sports games year to year is just they keep out they keep popping them out year to year, and it's just it's such a similar product and. I feel like if there was some carryover, it'd be more incentive. But mm-hmm. at least with the new one, they're allowing you to carry it over to the next console. So I probably will get that. Uh, I think the Legends Edition for PS4 comes with the regular copy, and that carries over to PS5. If, if you buy the Kobe Edition, you get the one for the PS4. And then if you buy the PS5, you will also get it on the PS5. 
I think I'll do that. I think I'll just do that so I can it's like play game. it right away. Well, because the PS5 is not dropping right away, right? It's going to be like the holiday There's like a couple months of like yeah. – uh, like In between period. It? A, yeah, there's a window. What the hell is the call? Oh, my God. It's like called – oh, <laughs> my goodness. I'm going to think of it after the show. <laughs> the name for it, yeah. it it's not like important or anything it's just like i wanted to use like the proper term like i was yeah, like oh yeah. i got this is it the goat nailed. edition is it the goat edition oh no it's the mamba forever isn't it yeah no no that's not what i was talking i was talking about like the like that what like the the window is called like what is it it's like called like <laughs> oh my god it's just such a stupid thing for me to get hung up on <laughs> it's so I'm funny sorry. i'm sorry oh man <laughs> Uh, you, you'll think of it after the show. I bet it'll it'll be, it'll like, be funny. But <laughs> I want to say it's like a gr- oh, it's a grace period. That's grace what it is. period. Yeah. yeah, there it is. That's the name. Dun, dun, dun. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that was funny. Uh, but yeah, we can start to wrap this up here. Is there anything you wanted to say, Tim? Tell people where to follow you before we uh, end the show off here. Uh, yeah. So we're recording over at Celtics Blog. Uh, we put out three episodes a week especially as we get back into the swing of things so feel free uh to give us a follow um generally it's going to be retweeted on celtics blog but you can find us on apple and spotify and you can find me on twitter at tim shields nba that's s-h-e-i-l-s my name is really weird when you think about the english things i before e and all that stuff but yeah uh other than that yeah thank you guys for having me on this has been a blast thank you so much for coming on i appreciate it a lot of course Uh, man yeah, it's a great time. You can follow me, Twitter, at BannertownJack. And I know Sam, I think you wanted to start doing the outros here, so I'm going to let yeah. you take it away. Yeah, I'm Parquet Press on Twitter. Um, I mean, I don't tweet all that much right now because I work a lot. There's not a lot going on. But you can follow me because <laughs> I'll retweet the podcast. Um, yeah, we're done for this week. Thanks for listening. We out.